Okay. The book of Revelations. Revelations. Thank you. Just a couple of weeks, we're going to go back. I skipped over most of the seven churches because I wanted to get some of this. I don't want to say out of the way, but just kind of set some context. Why was the message important for the seven churches? And uh, hopefully we will see that. But as a quick review, um, The Lamb of God on the throne of heaven was the only one who had the authority to open the seven seals. And we saw those seals, or read through those seals being opened. And those, there's, we're going to see patterns throughout Revelation. John likes sevens and he likes threes. And we've already seen twelve several times. There's twenty-four elders representing Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles, or Old Testament tribes, if you will, and New Testament apostles. We've seen 144,000 people at 12 times 12, but as you read through those that list of tribes, it's quite interesting to notice that you know everybody there are some people who oh that's that's literal that's something that is literal that there's only going to be 144,000 in this number but then describes afterward that they cannot be numbered but if you read through the list Joseph is mentioned but he was never a father of a tribe. Levi is mentioned. And they never really had, they were never given an inheritance in the land. The priesthood was something separate. In fact, you know, we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel. There were really 13 if you include the tribe of Levi. They were just never given portion of the land. So, this list of 12 tribes among the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe, gives us some interesting thought that this is not a little literal number, but it represents those who are true Israel, truly saved by faith in Christ Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. Does that make sense? But looking back quickly at the, I got sidetracked when you talked about uh, sevens and twelves. There are seven seals. There's four up front and then there are three. That's an interesting number. Four and three make seven. And John likes threes and sevens, but four times three is twelve. I'm not a numerologist. 
I don't believe the Bible has anything to do with numerology, but it's just interesting how John works with these numbers. And then the first four seals that we saw opened, four horsemen. The first horse was white, representing whether you want to accept it or not, representing God's overall spiritual authority over everything that happens in this world. The second horse, the horse that was red, was a horse of war. And we talked about it then. What, ne what time in history have we ever seen peace? There has always been war. The third, the third horse a black horse, turmoil and strife among the social nation, the social state, the, the, the nations, the races, uh, and then finally the pale horse, the horse that represents death. And then there was the fifth seal that opened, talking about the, the saints that were all protected under the throne of God in heaven. And they longed to know how long before their time would be avenged. And God said to wait a little longer until the last one of their number was made. Wait until the last martyr was made. And then the sixth seal, we saw a description of the end of the world. Great destruction. And then there was a pause between the sixth and the seventh seal. And when the seventh seal is finally opened, I'm just doing this quickly, just to kind of bring us up to speed and bring my mind up to speed so we can work on what we want to talk about tonight. Um, This pause uh, comes as kind of a respite between the sixth and the seventh seal, and this is where we find uh, the number of the 144,000 we talked about a few minutes ago. That they are the just rest assured that God is going to protect his own. While he judges this world, we are kept safe, we are kept secure. And then the seventh seal. is finally opened. I believe we began that last week, and I'm going to move quickly because we've covered some of this already. Revelation 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer, the offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings, lightning, and judgment.
So, so before, before this, when the seal is open, there is a pause of silence. The prayers of the saints are considered before the face of God. If you ever wondered about how your prayers are ever answered, think on this sometimes. You know, we read in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. When we don't know how to pray, it prays on our behalf with tremendous groaning. God respects your prayers. Especially when you are praying for His purpose and for His glory. And how many faithful believers, I mean, it's good to pray for one another. We're praying for God's glory to be blessed upon the life of another whom we love and respect. We should pray for one another. We should also be praying for His name to be exalted. In this world, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we just saw in Revelation how saints who had been martyred for the faith, faithful Christians, faithful believers, how long, O Lord? And then God, John sees this vision of incense in the throne of heaven, pleasing God, a sweet aroma. These are the prayers. And he gives a nod to an angel. This angel fills a, 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 an incense vial. Or, or the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saint rose before God from the hand of the angel. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, earthquake. The prayers of the saints beckon that God would bring an end to the sin in this world. The prayers of the saints beg God to bring judgment. And that's what we're seeing here. So we've seen six seals, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the setting aside of the saints of heaven, the protecting and sealing of them, and then the destruction, the sixth seal, the destruction of the world, and then seven seals, the seventh seal opens up seven trumpets. And these trumpets represent the symbol of war, because when Israel went to war in the Old Testament, they always began with trumpets. You can go back to Joshua 6, 2 through 5, talking about Jericho. It always began with the blaring of trumpets marching around Jericho. Exodus 20 describes God on, in authority on Mount Sinai, and they heard rumblings and thunder and lightning and trumpets. Every time Israel had a convocation, and they had seven of them every year. Times of worship, times of feast days, festival days. 
that pointed to salvation. Each convocation began with trumpets. So all in all, these trumpets are saying again, once again, God has final authority and judgment over the world. and the destruction and downfall of the enemy. Verse 6, The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. These were thrown upon the earth. A third of the earth was bound up, a third of the trees were bound up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell upon from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on a third of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, or bitter, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that the third of their light might be darkened, and the third of the day might be kept shining, likewise a third of the night. Um, How literally should we take this passage? We talked about it some last week. We mentioned how these sound very much like the plagues of Egypt, and there are some parallels, there are some similarities. So early Christians, particularly those who were saved Jews, related to this. God gave the church a vision through John that they could understand. These word pictures, these descriptions had a sympathetic ring in their hearts and in their minds. The people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, and Moses set them free. Free. Christ, the people of God who had been chosen before the foundation of the world, were in bondage to sin, and Christ provided a ransom to set them free. And here coming final judgment is described in similar ways. Do you know what the Old Testament Hebrew name for Jesus was? That was Jehovah, but there was a earthly name. It was Joshua. Joshua, the warrior who led Israel and conquered Canaan, Christ will one day come again. He will come again. And he will come with his saints in greater glory than Joshua ever could. 
to conquer this world and put an end to wickedness once and for all, end of suffering once and for all. When Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth, this is what he was talking about. Deliverance once more. Judgment upon the world. Cleansing fire of this creation. These descriptions of the first, second, third, and fourth trumpet all all point to it's not just people that are being judged, it is all of nature. Everything in creation is affected by this. Everything in creation is affected. And we look at it, we hear it's almost like there is a system, there is a method to this. There's a third, there's a third, there's a third, there's a third, there's a third. Third of the waters, third of the trees, third of the sea, third of the creatures in the sea. You look back to Revelation 6, 8. And they looked and behold a pale horse, and its rider came was death. And its rider's name was death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth. They, all four horsemen, were given authority over the fourth of the earth. And if you just think about this, throughout any age or any generation, it's probably about expected to see a fourth of, of every generation pass away before the next one takes over. That's normal. Results from disease, sickness, old age, and war. And here it's ramping up. The judgment of God is getting more intense. Now it's a little bit more. A third, a third, a third, a third. So there are four trumpets blown. Judgment upon all of the all of nature itself. Verse 13, Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So again, we see The seventh seal opened, which contains seven trumpets. And we need to, these are not consecutive things that are happening. We need to see these as things that are, are, are contemporaneous. God's judgment is upon this world at the same time. Our sin curses our life because of the curse upon Adam our sin also curses this world. And the curse brings about death. Everything that's been happening in this world is an ongoing effect of God's judgment upon the world. It's not something we look forward to so much in the future. But especially in talking about these first four seals and these first four trumpets, 
It's something that is happening now and has been happening for generations up until our day. But then these last three trumpets carry a little bit more weight. Chapter 9. Fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen. Kind of makes me wonder and scratch my head. Look back at chapter 8, verse 10. Third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. This, there's a little bit of interpretation here. Because... The Bible more than once talks about a fallen angel, talking about Lucifer. And in chapter 9, the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen. It had already fallen. So that's why I looked back at chapter 8, verse 10. It's already down. Look at Ezekiel 28. Verses 13 through 17. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond. Beryl, onyx, and jasper. Sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of the fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways for the day you were created, from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom from the sake, for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. This is fall of Lu- the fall of Lucifer. The fall of Satan. You can also find a parallel passage in Isaiah 14, beginning at verse 12. And we'll read it again, read about it again in in Revelation 12 in just a few weeks. But this fifth angel blew the trumpet. And this star falls. Who or what is this star? Is it a literal star? Or is he talking about a person? fallen angel. Verse 2. Fallen star, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with smoke from the shaft. 
Then from the smoke came the locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death, and it will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of a bottomless pit. His name is in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. Interesting. People have struggled with understanding this for years. But we need to see this as poetic, symbolic language. I remember in the 1970s, some of you may remember Salem Kerbin. Anybody ever hear of him before? Salem Kerbin. He was one of the dispensationalists, came out with a book about the tribulation. It was about that thick. And when you work through this chapter, talking about the scorpions, he had pictures of helicopters. They were all photoshopped, all information. And these are the scorpions. John, in his vision, is describing judgment that is inaugurated, allowed to be allowed to be inaugurated by Satan himself. He is given keys to the bottomless pit, and demonic influence is allowed to be released upon this world. When will it happen? Has it happened? We need to prayerfully be discerning about this. This seems to tell us in Revelation that it's something we might expect soon before the coming of the Lord. But I've mentioned this before, and I'm not, I'm not making any declaration like, Thus saith the Lord. But you look at what's going on in the world now. Throughout history, throughout the past couple of centuries, we've seen it in nations around the world. We've seen it in Russia. We've seen it in Germany. We've seen it in the Middle East. This is the first time we are seeing 
the powerful influence of atheistic communism worldwide. They can call it socialism if they want just to be polite, but they said that a socialist is just a communist in a suit. It's communism, and they mean to stop the truth of Scripture. And, and they, they have, have no hope at all other than their own philosophy. And as you read this, it says they were allowed to torment them for five months. Now, we cannot declare that that's going to be literally five months because in the picture, the illustration, locusts, when they plague the earth, no matter where they are, they're usually just active during the summer months and the warmer months of the year. And that's what's describing here giving a brief time related to what they do. But these are spiritual demons. These are vicious. They were told not to harm the grass or any green plant or, tree or any tree, but only those, listen carefully, who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. God said, leave my chosen alone. While this is coming from Satan, God is allowing it. And he is orchestrating it. Go this far and no farther. You bring judgment and pain and suffering on your own people, not mine. And for us as believers, we could, that's, that is a great hope. That is a great comfort. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and that will backfire. That's already been tried. He's okay. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. How are we to understand this? We are looking... We don't have to look very far to see there are more people in this world who are just so depressed. They aren't happy. They're seeking pleasure without commitment. They're seeking wealth without any satisfaction. You see more and more advertisements for medicine, antidepressants, People are just seeking death by seeking out their own lust. And God was saying, if you do not seek me, I will just give you over to your own desires. God is in control of all of this that is happening. 
the wrath of, you're very familiar with this, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteous, unrighteousness suppress the truth. They deny the truth. They push it down. They hide it. They ignore it. I've seen, it's just shocking how vicious people have been about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I have seen women, little petite women in crowds just screaming vicious things. Tell me they have not been stung by Satan's scorpion. Tell me they have not. I have seen people pursue all kinds of ungodly appetites in not finding any happiness at all. I have seen people who have been caught up in drugs and alcohol and lust and materialism in finding no satisfaction at all. Tell me they have not been stung by scorpions. When the Apostle Paul talked about there being a spiritual warfare, this is what he was talking about. So when we read Revelation, let it not be that much of a mystery to you. Let it be an explanation about what is going on. And it's going to escalate as we get closer to the coming of the Lord. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchange natural relations for those who are that are not that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval of those who practice them. This world is fast becoming an ungodly mess. Well, it's been an ungodly mess, but it's fast becoming an ungodly cesspool. Um, we wonder how it happened so fast and there were a lot, a lot of Christians a few years ago who said let's not legalize marriage Excuse, let's not legalize gay marriage and once that wall fell down it just seems like it's all flooded in I know it was all there but it wasn't all out in the public 
Well, what we see going on, and this is just the first of the final three trumpets, these spiritual scorpions, may I call them? Were these spiritual locusts with the scorpion tails? They are vicious. They are ugly. They are going after those who are lost and dying and those who are in full rebellion of this world. And it is very near the coming of our Lord Jesus. If this does not make any sense, if you have any questions or any disagreement, it will not hurt my feelings. Let's just talk it over. If you have any questions, <laughs> yeah, Apollyon and Abaddon, both Hebrew name and the Greek name, they both mean destroyer. That's Satan. This star that fell from heaven, the one that opened the shaft of the bottom of the pit, he is the destroyer. He is Abaddon. He is Apollyon. And these locusts with the scorpion tails and the armor, they are his, his demons under his command. But even so, God is saying, do not touch my chosen. Yes, sir. What happened to Satan? What? What if he didn't listen to God? Uh, he would be stopped. I don't think God would allow him to, take, to go beyond what he was told to do. He already got proud of himself and God cast him down just for that. He looked in the mirror too many times. My, 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 my. Look how beautiful I am. He became proud. God's not going to let him go beyond what God tells him to do. God has the authority and the power to stop him. He is not stronger than God. He's nowhere equal to God's strength. You're in a world that will teach you that there is a balance between good and evil. We have to keep a balance between the two. But they're, they're both equally strong, we just keep them balanced. And we find a happy middle ground. That's not true. God is much, much more stronger than Satan and evil. Does that make sense? We will not let Satan go any farther than God wants him to go. It is foreordained. It is predestined. Good Presbyterian words. And the Bible says so. So we must closely trust what the Bible says. That's right. Exactly. No matter what, God is always in control of every detail. I like what the late 
Percy Sproul said, there is not one molecule in this whole universe that moves without God's permission. That just blows my mind. I repeat this so that it gets on the recording, but Satan went to the courts of heaven and asked permission to torment Job because Job was so faithful and Satan accused Job. The only reason he's faithful is because you're good to him. God gave permission. You may touch his, touch his things, you may touch his body, but do not take his life. And Job never stopped praising. He argued a little bit. He grieved. But he never lost faith in God. Well... As we get closer to the Lord's time, we might see a lot more people like Job. Closer we get to the Lord's return, and all of this stuff starts to escalate around us, it's, it's going to look a little scary. That's why we have to put fearless trust in His Word. Larry, would you mind closing in prayer, please?